Ladies and gentlemen, hello, and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast, where two guys in their early 40s look at the latest trends in entertainment, and they quite possibly declare, I do not understand this. What in God's name is wrong with the world these days? Or maybe, if they're lucky, they say, wow, there is some hope for humanity after all. I'm your co-host, Noah Tarno, senior quiz master and creator of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And with me, as always, is my co-host from American Caesar Enterprises, the one, the only, filmmaker Bill Scurry. How you doing today, Bill? I'm wonder uh, with super battiness. You see what I did there? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Our topic today is uh, Mr. Zacharias Aloysius. Snyderian the Eighth, otherwise known as <laughs> your fellow filmmaker, Bill, Zack Snyder. Don't pin this shit on uh, me. Hollywood film director Zack Snyder, well known to you all, I'm sure, if not for the last year's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice movie. He also did his prequel, Man of Steel, the Watchmen movie, 300, of course. Was 300 his most successful movie? Critically, it was uh, 300, yeah. Critically. I'm not talking about critically, my friend. I'm talking about... Moolah, Simoleons. Uh, so. Bones was Batman v Superman, the most bones in the game, yes. So anyway, he's a big deal filmmaker. Uh, you know, he has been for a few years now. Warner Brothers has entrusted him with the future of their DC Comics cinematic universe. He's hot stuff. He's uh, he's riding high. And Bill, why don't you give us the uh, the more detailed, less opinion-focused 411 on the career of Zack Snyder? Uh, Zacharias Hiram Snyder, as you call him. <laughs> was <laughs> Something born, like that. <laughs> he was born in Green Bay. He was raised in Connecticut. Uh, his mom was a painter and a, and a photographer at a private school, which he attended himself. His dad was an executive recruiter. And this is interesting. He was raised a Christian scientist. What do you think about that? Yes, I did see that. Yeah, Weird. Yeah, uh, yeah his mom... Mom inspired him yeah. to study painting. Uh, after high school, he did some uh, art academy at a place called Headley School over in England. But he had already decided he wanted to be a filmmaker. He attended the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Uh, and he did what a lot of um, professional shooters do. He went on to shoot commercial ads for Audi, BMW, Subaru, you know, big corporate clients. And, I mean, I think that's what uh, Ridley Scott did. That's what David Fincher did. It's a pretty yeah. pretty standard well, way to get into the business. It's a, it's a way in. Yeah, and I assume it means you... You got some juice, you know, you got something in the tank if uh, you're like an art school kid. I mean, that's, again, you, you work on your game later on, but you come in like a meteor pretty strong. I'm sure he established right. himself visually, uh, commercially. And so, like you said, you dropped his, uh, his his resume comes down to really just a few films for a controversial guy. You got Dawn of the Dead in 04, 300 in 07. Right. The Watchmen, 09. Animated uh, Owls of Gahooli in, in 10, and Sucker Punch in 11, Man of Steel 13, and finally uh, Batman <laughs> Superman 2016, with the presumed Justice League coming out later this year, uh, I believe, yes. is the case. Yes. If, if Wikipedia is to be believed, he's involved in pretty much all the DC movies. He's producing Aquaman. He's executive producing The Flash, already signed to direct the Justice League sequel. He's doing stories. He did the story for Wonder Woman, and he produced yeah. Wonder Woman, which I guess comes out before Justice League, right? I mean, that's yeah. June, and Justice League is, wow, they're both this year? That's, okay, that's, what do that's I know lot. about marketing? Uh, Warner Brothers, the brain trust in charge of the DC universe, it's Kevin. Sujahara and a woman named Diane Nelson. And Diane Nelson, I think, has a lot of it. She has a lot to do with the comic books too. It's sort of the reason why DC Comics moved to Burbank a few years back, um, which a lot of people, oh, kind of, right. a lot I of people lost that. their jobs. It was kind of a big bloodbath over there for that one. Yeah. So they are the uh, corporate Goliath in charge of it, and it would seem that Zack Snyder is the intellectual guy. Uh, in addition to, I think. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, I know. It sounds preposterous. Jeff, We're going to get into that. Jeff Johns is the other guy who's supposed to be in charge of story too, and he was given a bigger, a bigger lead in that. I feel like this is all prelude. What I really need to know, because I know that my good friend Noah Tarno in San Francisco just finished watching Batman versus Superman. Yes. So he's got a hot yes. take on deck. I want to hear yes. what you think of this guy. Well. I mean, what I think of this guy, we got to back up before Batman v Superman. Um, <laughs> I saw his, I, I love horror movies. I love zombie movies. I'm a big George Romero fan. I saw his Dawn of the Dead in the theater and I thought it was outstanding. Correct. Absolutely um, correct. I thought his Dawn of the Dead was terrific. I'm going to say this is controversial, but I think I liked it better than Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Uh, and I like Romero's Dawn of the Dead. It's great. I think maybe he's more sid to horror films and action-adventure superhero movies, perhaps. But I think his Dawn of the Dead is a well-acted, well-designed, well-shot, genuinely scary, creative horror movie. I totally so agree. It's let's like put you, that out It's there. like you read my notes. That's almost exactly what I said. But it leads me to compare him with uh, Tim Burton, another director who I have a lot of issues with. But in both cases, I think their first film was their creative high point. Tim Burton, I, he's got a particular aesthetic that I don't love, but I think Pee-wee's Big Adventure is an outstanding movie. Now, perhaps that's because Pee-wee's Big Adventure was more Paul Rubin's brainchild than Tim Burton's brainchild. I don't know enough about Dawn of the Dead, his version, to know whose brainchild it was more than anyone else's. But I would say, as far as I could tell, Zack Snyder reached his creative peak with his first film. And then I saw Watchmen, and then Watchmen, I have a lot of emotional issues tied up with. The, the Watchmen graphic novel is probably my favorite book period ever. And while I don't hate Watchmen, I did not think it was a success. My takeaway from it was this guy clearly, and the screenwriter for that matter, clearly have no idea why Watchmen the book is as great as it is. They don't they don't understand what made it the greatest work of superhero fiction ever. What was he trying to do with it then? Because well, like he, he devoted through, a lot of time. He awesome, made a movie out of it. What was he trying right. to do with it? He made a movie out of it. And and it was it was extremely faithful to the source material to a fault. Alan Moore, the writer of Watchmen, said it himself. You know, people say Watchmen's cinematic. It's not cinematic. It's 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 hyper specified to the medium of the comic book. And I agree. That doesn't mean you can't make a good movie out of it, but it means if you make a movie out of it, you have to make some judicious, careful, intelligent changes. And Snyder and David Hayter, the screenwriter, did not grasp that. They said, let's make a badass adaptation of this superhero story that pushed the envelope on the concept of a superhero story. I.e., what if superheroes were really, really real in the real world? What would it mean? It means everything would be fucked up. That's one of many ideas of Watchmen. It's a good idea. It's an interesting idea. But that's there's so much more to it than that. And I do not think they understood it at all. There's that famous quote that when Watchmen started failing at the box office after a hot first weekend, David Hayter wrote this open letter and he's like, come on fans, go out and see it again. Like, you know, we gave you what you wanted. We gave you Watchmen with balls, with brains. Like, that's not what it's about. It's not about balls and brains. I mean, yeah, it's partly about that, but it's so much more than that. He didn't get it. I mean, having Night Owl and Silk Spectre looking like Greek gods flipping through the air Matrix style, beating people up, you have no idea what made Night Owl and Silk Spectre interesting and special characters. Night Owl has a freaking pot belly in the book, and that's part of the idea. Yeah, no, I'll <laughs> agree. Know, that's, that's, that's a good read. This yeah. dude became a superhero because he was the Watchmen world equivalent of a comic book game. That takes me to, I, I didn't watch Owls of Gahooli. I haven't watched Sucker Punch. I watched part of 300. 
It's okay. It's pretty, uh, you know, not a big gladiator movie guy, but whatever. Batman, I did like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman had the same problems. I have an emotional attachment to the DC Comics characters that cannot be overstated. Um, I remember thinking this when I saw the Green Lantern movie. I could not name one Green Lantern comic book story that is close to my heart. But nonetheless, I love Green Lantern like he's a member of my family. I go so... These characters are in the primordial ooze of my cultural understanding. I There's no time in my life I didn't know who Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Flash were. Let me just stop you here because I think it's important that the uh, the, the reader should know while they're watching, listening to you talk that um, I will confirm the fact that you're not just a casual fan. I mean, you did sort of a dissertation, right? Wasn't a senior thesis on Batman as a piece of I pop did my, culture? Yeah, I essentially, not really, but I essentially designed my own major in pop culture and I wrote my senior thesis about the history history of Batman as a pop culture phenomenon. Right, so but I, so I, I wanted to make sure everybody I knew... I a big investment in Batman. Exactly. It's not a surprise that you have this uh, uh, real cultural thing with these people not only are these your mythology you grew up with this as your story it's like i think that you've done a lot of adult thinking yeah and there is a folklore component to it too that you're i consider you sort of yes. a, a, an expert in in my own personal uh, circle thank you uh, in these days that is a high compliment thank you sir. yes so batman v superman um i didn't watch it until now i remember saying to people and i say this more about the upcoming justice league movie i'm not going to watch it my heart's been broken enough i dreamed of a justice league movie all my life and and as much as I love the Avengers movies, there was a little part of me that found them heartbreaking because I've always been a DC guy and I wanted to see these great movies happen for the DC characters before the Marvel ones, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that being said, Batman v Superman didn't break my heart as much as I thought it would, maybe because it was exactly what I expected. You were divested uh, it from was, it by that point. I was divested from it in some ways. It is not a good movie. It is a pretty bad movie. <laughs> I've seen a lot worse movies. I would take... I take Batman v Superman over Batman and Robin, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney one. Okay. I would okay. take Dawn of Justice over that. The whole thing's too dark. The action scenes don't flow. They shove in too many things. There are plot holes galore. And this is Zack Snyder's problem. He comes from the world. I think you brought up a good point. He made car commercials. It's about style. It's about mystique visually. And that's very credible for a filmmaker. But these characters are about touching a nerve. They are the continuation of thousands of years of American culture of mythology and folklore and getting at the primal uh, human cultural desires. I mean, why is the superhero an American phenomenon? Because the superhero is a modern realization of the American literary hero, the cold, white, isolate killer. I mean, these things go back to James Fenimore Cooper and, and you know, Mark Twain. He doesn't get that. He doesn't get that these are emotional characters. Some people do. Uh, Tim Burton got it a little in his Batman movies. Uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies absolutely got it that. Joss Whedon. League car Joss Whedon gets it at 100%. Yeah. Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, who did the DC animated universe. Yeah, good point. They got that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think I have to agree with everything you said. I really can't add to your arguments or, or, or detract from them. He starts off with a film that's great and Dawn of the Dead. And I too might actually enjoy it more than the uh, the George Romero version just because it has uh, its own visual 21st century yeah. uh, flair to it. And then he winds, up, he winds up regressing. He winds up almost like uh, Benjamin Brittening his, Benjamin Buttoning his career, not Benjamin Britton, Benjamin Buttoning his career 
almost like devolving into a more primordial filmmaker, uh, leaving behind the initial um, sparks of uniqueness that he had at the beginning. There's a, a friend of mine named Michael Collia, who's a veteran of many a podcast, and uh, he's a, also a esteemed pop culture writer himself. He has brought up something very pertinent, and that until he said it, I didn't really understand it. But his observation was that Snyder is approaching these characters in a very mythic way. As a contrast to what Kevin Feige is doing over at Marvel, they're treating their characters a little more humanely, a little more ad hoc. It's a little more informal. They're creating a larger archetype for DC Universe characters. Now, I think stylistically, it's a smart idea because that's how you're distinguishing yourself from Marvel's brand. The thing is, though, the mythic approach is great, and I think the characters, it befits the characters to be mythic. You're talking about Superman, you're talking about Batman, you're talking about practically not just pop culture gods, but actual gods in their own continuities. The problem is is that the stories themselves aren't good. The problem is that the interpretations of the characters on a moment-to-moment basis aren't good. And so it doesn't matter if you have these stakes that are enormous and you have this incredible cultural capital of seeing mountains moved and I-beams and gods fight each other if there's nothing interesting that is informing it. It just looks like a Fast and Furious movie where you're watching CGI cars crash between skyscrapers in Dubai. It's it's a good point because one of the essential differences between, in comics at least, the DC and the Marvel kind of philosophy. You know, DC happened first, I mean, more or less, and their comics didn't have a lot of characterization. You know, it was more about the adventure than the interplay of the characters. And then Marvel came along in the 60s and kind of revolutionized comics by having Spider-Man and Teenage Problems and the Fantastic Four bickered and blah, blah, blah. You know, pretty much ever since then, DC has kind of gone through these spasms of saying, well, our characters are more mythic, but also we're going to have that interplay. You know, I mean, their their hottest comic of the early 80s was the Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans, because they were kind of taking a Marvel approach. Absolutely. You know, the characters yeah. are dating and arguing. Also, they had Marvel Wolfman and George Perez, who were two of the greatest comic creators ever. So DC has always had this kind of push-pull thing. So you're right, it's smart to kind of take that more mythic approach. But the problem with that, as I see it, at least as as it concerns these movies, is that if you're going to be mythic, it's got to have some parable. It's got to make some statement, you know, about human nature, about science or about the world or philosophy. And these movies, they try that but they're just not smart enough to get there. I'm going to quote you. When Man of Steel came out in 13, I believe you said to me, Zack Snyder is a dullard who doesn't understand Superman at all. And I think to uh, under- that's true. Yeah. To underline your point, it is true that there is the idea that the image is mythic, but uh, what he's doing with Superman, I mean, obviously we keep hammering on this point that he doesn't understand Superman and he's not leading Henry Cavill through something that might actually work or something that might benefit Henry Cavill's skills as an actor, whatever those might be. Other than the fact that he looks good with a little curl in the front and the costume, he fills out the costume with an impressive physique. There's just not much. See, I think think he looks terrible. I think he looks awful. I think he's too dark. I think Superman's got to make you feel good. Big blue boy scout. I like that nickname. That's an aesthetic thing. I'm not going to disagree with you there. But I think that Zack Snyder has this, there's almost like a structural flaw. And it started to be shown early with his movies. And I mean, I'll go back to the box office for Dawn of the Dead, right? Came out in 04. He had a $26 million budget. That movie turned over $102 million. That's great. That's nearly like four mm-hmm. times the amount. Nobody had any right to think that a Dawn of the Dead remake would be great, but he put this uh, ironic postmodern sensibility. He also managed to get great performances out of uh, Sarah Polly and who was it? Jake Weber as a character actor. Ving Rhames was in it. This first time we saw Ty Burrell. Yeah, that movie was cast great. Oh yeah, yeah it was shot. Right. It was shot in yeah. Toronto. I mean, it was a low budget thing that no one had any expectation for, and he wound up m- making uh, gold out of lead, like a, a modern alchemist. 
list. And I thought that was so impressive to the point where, again, to go back to 300, you know, since you already brought it up, which came out uh, three years later in 07, that cemented where his career was going because I'll just get wonky again with the box office. It was budgeted 65, but it made 460, well, close to $460 million. Jeez. Exactly. Really? And at that point, you're talking about his game changes. His motivation is going to be, well, now I'm this type of filmmaker rather than that type of filmmaker. And if he's going to follow up 300 with Watchmen, I feel like, well, what if he had another movie in there to season with? What if he had gone to Watchmen by having an intermediate step between Watchmen and 300. And I think that, to some degree, Zack Snyder might have been the first guy who experienced the modern trend of plucking a semi-obscure filmmaker um, and t- putting him into these big franchise modes. You had, I don't say Favreau wasn't exactly obscure, but Favreau was pulled out of Elf and he did Iron Man and then he's, his price tag leapt up a lot. You're talking about the guys like Colin Trevorrow who did Safety Not Guaranteed and the next movie after that winds up being uh, Jurassic World. You saw Rogue One, right? I'm, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Rogue One is a great example because I love the first movie that guy Gareth Edwards made, which is called Monsters and it was this real, unassuming, low-budget, almost like mumblecore or horror monster movie and he went right from monsters to Godzilla and I feel like he missed a gear he missed a year or so of school and his visual style was there but he didn't get a chance to season into the filmmaker that he might have otherwise come into and I think that Zack Snyder it's almost like watching uh, a baby being given a, a driver's license like he could eventually or turn into <laughs> the type of filmmaker you'd want to see something from but for the moment you're almost like watching adolescence uh, unfold on film at a very high price tag I don't disagree with you I I think that's a problem in a lot of arts these days and probably always and especially Hollywood which is I've said this before Hollywood the most conservative and uh, not politically conservative but like you know just afraid of change and yeah. if someone makes us money we're gonna jump all over them I think Snyder's bigger problem and I feel like I sort of got at this before but maybe not clearly enough is that he does well with zombies and people running from zombies he did well with uh, gladiators The idea of a superhero, at least from my point of view, is that there's depth to it. It's an archetype with a personality. And he's not equipped for that. And I feel like Hollywood people don't understand that. And they don't understand why people love superheroes more than, in this day and age, more than cowboys. Well, no, cowboys are a bad example because cowboys are always about the personality. I don't know, gladiators. I mean, these these just stick figure adventurers. There's still a lack of understanding among the mainstream, even though superheroes have entered mainstream more, that what we love about superheroes isn't two-dimensional guys beating up other two-dimensional guys. It's as much as three-dimension as a fictional character can be approaching a three-dimensional problem. That's what made Watchmen special, is it it took that idea to the limit. It made as much as possible a comic book about real people as superheroes. As much as possible. I still, you know... In this fantasy world. But it's... And that's what makes Batman particularly special. And that's what makes Superman special in those good iterations. I like Superman and Batman story from the 50s. But, you know, there's not much depth there. Zack Snyder might have done great doing a Superman v. Batman based on the Superman and Batman in the 50s. And they're they're, they're fighting people on top of giant appliances. And Superman is using the, the scientist's device to go back and meet himself as Superboy. Those might have been great movies. Those might have been a lot of fun. But if you're going to try to get the weightiness of the modern comic book idea when done right, Zack Snyder's not going to get you out of the pit of pretension, which, to be fair, is the pit that most comic book creators 
stay stuck in. Sure. Uh, but I would say this, though, is that Snyder almost treats these movies, or at least we wind up getting these movies, they, they look like animatics. They look like the visual representation, a storyboard yeah. of what you expect. If you turned off the sound of Batman versus Superman, you'd, you'd get it very dark. The aesthetic, <laughs> the aesthetics of the movie were incorrect, as it were. Uh, the color grading, uh, some of the effects, things like that were done in a very poor way. And those are like wonky type issues with, with special effects and, and post-production and things like that. But what you wind up getting is paste up images he wanted of Superman looking down on people from above or you Batman with a, a grapnel gun or or specific panel recreations. And that was what 300 was about. And that's what Watchmen was about. I was in the theater watching 300 and I felt like 300 was very stiff and it was very formalized. And it wasn't much enjoyable about it because I felt like I didn't get a chance to know any of the characters. I mean, it was great when, when what's-his-name yelled, this is Sparta, and kicked the guy down the hole. But for the rest of the movie, <laughs> it was these slow-motion images, which didn't really excite me. It was yeah. so formal. It was, And I don't mean formal like a, like a tuxedo. I'm saying it was so based on form, and it had so little to do with right. f- fluid movement right. of film and three dimensions and, and all that stuff. Spartans! What is your profession? You see, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. Why is he so popular? Why has he been given the keys to the DC Cinematic Universe Kingdom? It's a fucking mystery, man. I, there's two, it's a two-part question because the first one is why do Kevin Sujahara and Diane Nelson see him as the ambassador of these characters, because he sort of fucked it up. I don't think it's a secret to say that his movies should be making billions. Now, and while they're only making hundreds of millions, now that's ridiculous. But the thing is, is that Man of Steel, we'll do this again, Man of Steel had a budget of 225, made 668. Batman versus Superman had a budget of 250, uh, made 873. It's a lot of money. However, it was supposed to make a billion and a half because that's what the Avengers movies turned around. So these things had a pretty good ROI. However, Warner Brothers was expecting something a lot bigger. Now, you could almost consider a movie that made $873 million a failure just because it was supposed to do so much better than that. However, I think that they're just for some reason thinking we can't alter our uh, attack. They keep saying we're going to bring in more voices and we're going to moderate the view and we're going to add some more advisory capacity. We're going to add humor. That was one thing they claimed to have learned that there weren't enough jokes, which is true. Yeah. I mean, there was not a single funny joke in Batman v Superman. And other than Jesse Eisenberg annoying the shit out of me, yeah. there were very few attempts at jokes. That's not the solution. Throwing in jokes, you know, yeah. hiring a couple stand-up comedians to punch up the script is not, <laughs> will not solve your problems. The studio heads have one impression of him, and then the fans have another impression of him. Yes. And I feel like to go into the, uh, the popularity of these movies and who has come to defend them, there is a very fervent fan base which yeah. is treating these movies yes. as a beachhead against Richard yep. Roper and David Denby and Anthony <laughs> Lane and that was a big deal yeah, when I this know. movie came out when Batman vs. Superman came out people took a very hostile approach to the professional critical apparatus and as if they really put a line a lasso around these critics and said the critics are a unified body that want these movies to fail because of elitism not because these critics sat in a movie theater and watched it and came up with the distinction all on their own that these movies were terrible people formulated a conspiracy that predated that and i saw that 
that. I've said this before. I liked The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan, but I thought it's grossly overrated because people wanted to have orgasms over the serious Batman movie. But I thought the movie was flawed. And I still remember my friend David Fear, who's now a film critic for Rolling Stone, among other places. Sure, yeah. At the time was writing for Time Out New York. He said, it's pretty good, but it's flawed. And the letters he got were unbelievable. No one threatened to kill him, but they were awfully close. Yeah. And the one letter that really touched an over them was this guy just yelling like, you are making yourself irrelevant. Yeah. And I remember he said to me, he's like, I thought about writing this guy back. He's like, why do you care? Like, why are you... <laughs> I'm becoming irrelevant, so why are you giving me this quote-unquote helpful advice? Like, so I'm irrelevant. <laughs> Fucking ignore me. Right. I've just dismissed myself in your brain. Right. Is this just, oh, the elites, you know, you're awful, but you're hurting our feelings because, you know, you're not accepting as genius this thing we want to be genius. Hey, man, I made a movie on YouTube. It came out, I guess, last spring. It was just me sitting in a chair, and I don't usually do this, but I set up a camera in front of myself. I did a video essay about Batman versus Superman. And, and I mean, I feel the way that Lane and Denby and Manola Dargis and all these other people, these credible reviewers did, where I felt like it was a terrible movie. I feel like it was a failure. And it was incorrect. But it was more the idea that I was detecting this trend that I didn't realize would wind up augering what happened in November with Election Day, where all of a sudden there was the cult. I'm going to go there with this because I feel like it earns it. There's the cult of somebody that people have adopted and they wind up becoming the standard bearers for something and they wind up imputing this value to it that I just yeah. don't see. See, and I'm not saying that Zack Snyder is my a terrible person. Right or wrong. My country, my filmmaker, my right or wrong. Country, right or wrong. My franchise, right or wrong. And and people have. Uh, yeah. adopted yeah. Zack Snyder in these DC movies as their bulwark and I don't understand how yeah. you can look into this movie and see it's not just an impression it's the actual blow by blow argument that people are making about things that they're looking at it and they're seeing things that aren't there it's like looking to a kaleidoscope because Zack Snyder and what he represents is taking them seriously you know you and me man in the 80s we were out in the woods no one cared about superheroes no one cared about comic books you mentioned my college thesis there's a quote in my college thesis that when i reread it five years ago blew me away yourself blew yourself away it, yes well no it wasn't my quote it was a quote from tim burton so ah. in 1988 when they first announced michael keaton would play batman there was some blowback i mean this is the pre-internet days so it only went so far but people are like what the fuck mr mom is playing batman like and you know the assumption that like you're still in the adam west mindset and you gotta take batman seriously like why is this scrawny playing Batman and people were very upset nerds were very upset and Tim Burton's statement on it unbelievable he said something to the effect of this is a Hollywood movie X millions of dollars being spent on it it is too big to care what a comic book fan thinks now can you imagine if a director said that now he would have to be taken off the project he would be pilloried I mean, he'd, be, he'd be attached to four horses that were hit and, and driven in four different directions well I think you exaggerate a little, but I do think that he would be taken off the project. I think if someone said that now, if Zack Snyder, had, not that Zack Snyder would ever say that, if a director of the Cyborg movie said that, whatever, he would have to be taken off the project. Mm -hmm. and so we were in the woods, man. We were in the forest. No one took us seriously. No one took our world seriously. We were the outsider. We were superheroes are kid stuff. Batman is a, is a, is a clown who's 
who's fighting Otto Preminger in a Mr. Freeze costume. <laughs> Batman 66, awesome series, awesome series, but it is what it is. When I was a kid, I had some issues with it. So now people are so emotionally invested, especially if they, they're adults, but they still feel like an outsider. I feel like an outsider, but Zack Snyder helming a $250 million version of their character is validation of their entire being by the mainstream. And they might claim that they don't care what David Fear or David Denby or Richard Roper think, but they do because those guys are the establishment and they want to be accepted by the establishment. Almost everyone wants to be accepted and loved and praised on some level. And you're right. It did fuel a lot of the election of the Orange Goblin because, you know, it, it, it's we want to be taken seriously. And this guy takes us seriously. What do you seem to understand? I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Who would you like this guy's career? Would you love his CV if you were a kid? And I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off just by saying unequivocally, uh. yes, absolutely. I know for a fact that I would love it as a kid because first of all, I had no critical faculty as a kid. <laughs> Look, I, I liked good movies. But you, you, also, you've said that many times, sir. I liked uh, good movies, but I also liked a lot of shit movies. But there's no way I yeah. would not have watched Batman versus Superman at the age of 13, 14 years old and not have just totally jived on what I saw. There's no way I would have seen. Right. Jeremy Irons, and, and there's no way I would have seen the cadaver of Michael Shannon reanimated in a boom tube. Uh, and and they're, they're absolutely, how, how much do you think he got paid for that? He wasn't even there. It was a maquette. It was it was a latex maquette. I guess it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I guess it wasn't him. I guess it was a dummy. Now, I mean, I sort of wonder if this impression is what makes me feel like uh, the fact that I'm in touch with the juvenile Bill Scurry who loved this stuff, and and that this would have been Skurnip for sure. And I wonder, does this help explain? <laughs> Does this explain TM. TM? Does this explain the popularity issue? Go ahead, contradict me. Do, would you not have liked this as a kid? I'm not going to contradict you. I'll, I'll accept that you would have loved it. But for me, it's an unanswerable question because in the alternate universe where I was born in, you know, 1995 instead of 1975, I don't know if I would have grown as attached to superheroes as I did. You know, if I was seeing them in big budget Hollywood movies as early as I think of X Men as the first of this wave. So you know, so I was seven. I would have been seven when the first X-Men came out. So I don't know if I would have latched on to superheroes the way I did. Uh, superheroes have lost some of their outsider cred for the new generation. I mean, the nerds who who my country read are wrong about superheroes are, I think, closer to our age. And superheroes were still nerd fodder in their formative years. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be a, such a different person. And I think one of the major differences might have been I might not have been attached to superheroes. So I might have just glossed right over them the way I do about westerns which i don't particularly care for or i mean there aren't many gladiator movies but there's nothing about a gladiator movie that sucks me in so it's entirely possible i would have related to these movies in a way that i can't anticipate that being said assuming i had any affinity for superheroes uh i think i'd like them i might even love them like you it might be tarnip now what about the guy's whole career i'm saying it's like i feel like his sensibility is at once primed to be this huge money maker but it's also just about the coolest thing a 13 year old boy would have ever seen yeah i mean look and this gets us another thing like we're kind of dancing around it but the thing is it's all style over substance it's all you know these movies are beautiful 300's gorgeous but who gives a shit that's why whenever someone describes movies like well the story's bad but the special effects are great I know I'm gonna hate it because if I don't get a good story if I don't get good performances I'm out 
I'm done. It's a snake bite, and that's why this question matters, is because we're trying to reverse engineer what we would have liked about it as a kid. I feel like, again, it, yeah, it, helps, I, it helps pay into the question of why is it popular. I, I mean, I liked stories as a kid. I liked the reason I preferred Batman over other superheroes as a kid is because, and the reason why Watchmen made me go nuts when I first read it when I was 15 is I love the fantasy of the real superhero and seeing these people interact. I mean, it's ironic I like DC over Marvel because seeing these people interact as some facsimile of human beings. It's possible I would have hated it because I'm not seeing them interact as real people. Then again, in my malformed, young understanding of what interaction is, I might have looked at an hour of Superman's funeral and Lois Lane crying as, <laughs> you know, solid, emotional. He try That's the problem. See, he tries. He's trying to he's get He's trying his fucking dead. ass and off. failing. And yes. he's failing. He's not saying, fuck it, I don't care about that. I want, you know, Superman beating the shit out of Doomsday. That's all that matters. The movie come off as a moron's conception of depth and that's why they didn't grasp watchmen they don't grasp what makes superman special they don't really grasp what makes batman special you got dawn of the dead in there though dawn of the dead exists as this sort of counterfactual I... anecdote which somehow well, explains that there is this potential there is this small homuncular filmmaker trapped inside of the bro yeah but i have no emotional investment in the characters in dawn of the dead i can't remember their name oh, right? i love the characters i love the characters in dawn of the dead i thought, I it was thought a... the characters are fine they i thought it was good, a sharp script i thought sarah polly was great i thought jake weber was great they i know were, i keep they mentioning were good. they were fine they were great but but they're not archetypes. There's no emotional investment in them beyond the movie. The I don't know. You're right. It's maybe maybe he had it and he lost it. Maybe he was corrupted by money. I don't know. But I feel like you don't need to go so far in a zombie movie to get good characterization. You don't have to. You guys had really rough childhoods, didn't you? Sweetheart, let me tell you something. You have my permission. If I ever turn into one of those things, do me a favor. Blow my fucking head off. Oh, yeah, you can count on that. Speaking of zombie movies, is this a sign of the, <laughs> oh, is this a sign of the apocalypse? Is do you find that Zack Snyder, yes. his swelling power yes. in the universe, is a sign of the apocalypse? I yes, yes, yes. This I will is agree with you. Yeah. The lower this is what we talked about with Jimmy Fallon. This is the lowering of cultural standards. This is people thinking they're smart and not being smart. This is people thinking they're deep and not being deep. This is this is the road to idiocracy and ass winning the Academy Award. It, it's a lot closer to the starting line than the finish line. This is happening at the same time as you have some of the better, the better examples of successes. And it's not even just a matter no, of, oh, point. people will take some bullshit if it's the only bullshit that's available. If it's if it's in a uh, an underserved market, this is an overserved market. And so you wind up having an example of some of the greatest things. You have some of the greatest action films, the people that really read the script, uh, really read the screen, they understand filmmaking, they edit these things well, the special effects have never been better. It's almost like you can take photography for granted in most cases. Uh, things like Michael Bay aside, what I'm saying is that you can count on these things to be just really slick packages. And so at the yes. same time, you have a really successful movie like Avengers 1, and I'm not going to assume everyone loved Avengers, but I really do think it's a fairly compact and successful way yeah. to interpret the Avengers. I, it comes out at the same time as I Zack Snyder's making films. All right. Well, but there's there's something to be said for the fact that I think on almost every level, Avengers is a far more successful movie than Batman v Superman. I mean, people care about it more. I bet if you looked at the faces of people leaving Avengers versus the faces of people leaving Batman v Superman, you'd see a lot more smiles yeah. leaving Avengers. Well, it's not just a taste issue. This is my point, is that you obviously, again, not being underserved, but you wind up having a number of different um, food stuff options on your menu. You can buy the grim thing, you can buy the dark thing, you can buy the sunny thing, you can buy the hopeful thing, you can buy the, the ironic 
ironically humorous thing. People are opting to double down on really poorly cooked food. Now, I understand that metaphor doesn't hold any weight because our food in America is poorly cooked and people love it. Or maybe it does hold to. It's hard to tell. But that's why I take well, well, this as a sign of the apocalypse is because you are so, serving, serving this alongside wonderfully cooked food. So this is interesting. I think you're saying it's a sign of the apocalypse in a different way I'm saying. And I'm starting to think you're getting at it more accurately than me. I'm saying it's a sign of the apocalypse because people like shit. You're saying, and I mean consumers, you're saying it's a sign of the apocalypse because the people in power, the powers that be, are doubling down on shit and serving shit and industries corrupted and industries run through with incompetence and lack of understanding. And maybe that's more true that these people who keep, you know, driving dump trucks of money to Zack Snyder's house. And by the way, he needs it. You know, he has eight kids. Yes, I did. Eight kids, like 50, man. 50 and he has eight kids. He yeah. lives in a gigantic um, shoe in whatever. Pasadena, you know? If, <laughs> if you're rich, you can afford all the kids you want. Why they've given Zack Snyder the keys to the kingdom. And maybe the, the apocalypse we're talking about here is just the utter corruption and lack of standards of the arts industry. You know, it'll be interesting 20 years from now. Are people still watching the Marvel movies? Are people still watching the Zack Snyder movies? I'll well, answer that question for you. Yeah. They're both going to be still coming out. They'll be on wave 28. <laughs> so th- we won't have a chance to have oh, distance God. from them. Believe we'll me. We'll be reduced to the Fifth Defenders movie and the Blue Devil movie. <laughs> They'll have gone down the list of DC Cat, the Brother Power of the Geek sequel. <laughs> Martha, why did you say that name? Oh, stop. Please stop. Why did you say that name? It's his mother's name. Are you jealous of Zack Snyder? Sure. I would okay. love to have been involved in Batman's mainstreaming and have a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, look, it was never my dream to direct a Batman movie, but it was my dream to be one of the primary forces in the Batman world. Interesting. I think I could separate my jealousy from my denigration of his work and what he represents, but I'm jealous of everyone, Bill. This question is going to get really old. <laughs> As a man who's had his hand on the wheel of so many great things, I mean, again, I'm not going to count 300 as a great thing, but Watchmen's a great thing, and, you know, George Romero's legacy is a great thing, and and having access to the DC universe, these characters that have been around for 80 years is a great thing. That's a lot of responsibility. That's also a big privilege, and I almost feel like you need to keep earning that over and over again. Zack Snyder just sort of gets this privilege almost like based on nothing, and it is extremely... Again, it, it culturally, it's a big wheelhouse for us. And the fact is, it keeps happening over and over again. To us keeps flunking, you'd say, you've just disqualified yourself from it. But like I say, Hollywood is conservative, and it's inertia. They're going to stick with Zack Snyder because they don't know what the hell else to do. Oh, Marvel has Joss Whedon? Let's get our own Joss Whedon. This Zack Snyder guy likes superheroes. Let's give it to him. I think that brings us to the end of our discussion. I think it does. As always, they win and we lose. Zack Snyder's (laughs) going to keep making movies. Our opinion will die on the vine. Noah Tarno has a tattoo across his chest in gothic type that says they win and we lose. It's my philosophy. Never try, my friend. You can find past episodes of this show on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can tweet us at at Noah and Bill Show. You can write us at Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com or you can just visit the website i don't get it podcast.com you can find me bill scurry at william scurry on twitter and am caesar on youtube noah tarno what is your twitter bona fides at noah tarno bigquizthing.com the big quiz thing is my company you can learn about it there and also noahtarno.com which these days has been given over entirely to my 2017 karaoke marathon i am singing upwards of 300 karaoke songs in 2017 to raise money for the american civil liberties union pay for this guy to sing hall and outs please
because it's going right to a good cause. I cannot hit Daryl Hall's notes. <laughs> I've tried. Well, I think that draws us to the end, a conclusion where we have plumbed the depths and we have once again found out that we do not get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.